This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everybody to Wrestling Omakase, episode number 67. I'm joined this week by returning guest, Alexandra. Hi, Alex. Hey, John. What's up? Um, not a lot of free time, a lot of like real life work. So that's kind of like where I've been right now. I haven't, my own podcast has been on hiatus because that's when I picked up two jobs. And I just want to put it out there. The Joshi Guide is still in works. It's just, as you can imagine, working two jobs, my free time is pretty limited. So sorry, I'm trying to work on it. It's been eating at me like for the last, since I announced it in June. So I haven't forgotten about it. It's just time has been slipping away. So hopefully before the end of the year, it will be out there. All right. But... So you heard it here first, folks. The Joshi Guide hopefully be out by the end of the year. Uh, it was an invaluable resource back when it was on Wrestling with Words. So um, I'm sure more people will get more use out of it again. Um, so my big news, since I, when I come on the air here, is I got a mention on the New Japan Corican show this past week, which was pretty cool. That happened on Tuesday. Kevin Kelly <laughs> on the English broadcast. Um, he basically started reading off my facts from the from the Voice of Wrestling uh, Super Junior Tag League preview I did, which I wrote that thing like on a total fucking whim because I was like, "Thing in New Japan, <laughs> I'm actually excited about." Like, does not involve the Bullet Club elite <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So I might as well write this thing on it. But yeah, so he, he basically shouted me out on the air, which is really cool. I wish he could have mentioned the podcast. That would have been helpful. But he at least said John Carroll voices of wrestling. So I wanted to say a quick hello to anyone who maybe found the podcast uh, through that little plug Kevin did. And thank him again for the plug. Uh, you're finding us on a week where we're not going to talk about New Japan at all. Um, but, you know... Uh, we do talk about New Japan this podcast plenty, so if you come back another week, I'm sure you'll hear it. But what we are here to talk about this week is the wide world of Joshi, and specifically two promotions that I think are pretty undercovered, uh, Ice Ribbon and Seedling. I mean, it's pretty, you know, not to, not that, like, 
Joshi in general is well covered. Um, but, you know, I definitely think you hear more stardom and then maybe Sendai Girl. Because it seems like it really picked up this year. Yeah, Tokyo Joshi Pro has definitely started to become more popular. And that's because DDT has been making a conscious effort to be more known in the West. Like they have an easily accessible streaming service. They have an English Twitter that's interacting with fans. And they have a, an interesting cast of characters, I'll say. Like the Maki Ito Respect Army. Yeah. Well, the 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 DT guy. I mean, he, the DT English guy. He he only covers like he doesn't cover every sub brand. Um, like it's not like he's doing a ton on Gambare or uh, even like Basara, but he does cover Tokyo Joshi Pro pretty much all the time. Yeah. So that ends up working out, and I think it's helped people. And the other thing is that that uh, that Total Divas account started jiffing them. Yeah. So that probably that probably helped them a lot too. But yeah, I definitely have seen a lot more of it this year. Um, I would say those two are the, probably the two most popular right now with Western fans, and then Sunday Girls maybe like a third place, but it could just be our bubble. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but um, you know, Seedling and Ice Ribbon, I feel like those are more like deep cuts, um, more like promotions that you know you might hear hardcore, like really, really hardcore. Like I, you know, I I hesitate to say like Joshi Twitter. But I guess that really is a thing, like Joshi Twitter, and like the the really like um, you know the people who I find on there that are like uh, stardom. That's for normies, <laughs> like those kind of people are. And I say that lovingly. I don't say that mockingly. Though they they're very into like these two promotions, you know, like Oz Academy, uh, Wave, you know, promotions like that. But um, I don't know. What would you say for their popularity in Joshi as a, as a whole in the West right now? I would say not not high. Yeah. In the West, Ice Ribbon is not talked about a lot. You might hear people talk about Tsukasa Fujimoto when she goes on another promotion show. And uh, honestly, for people on the current Ice Ribbon roster, that might be it. Maybe Maya Yukihi, but she's on Oz Academy, which again, isn't super popular in the West. And then the deal with Seedling is, even though it's been years and everyone has literally moved on, <laughs> as you type the word Yoshiko or post her face somewhere, everyone's going to run to their computers and be like, Yoshiko, she beat up that one woman in that one promotion on that one show. And it's like, first of all, that woman had a name. She had a full-ass career. She has a full-ass life. She retired. She's moved on. She has accepted apologies, what have you. She now shows up in GPS Promotions, which is an indie. She's an MC there. She has fun. Yoshiko obviously moved on. You could argue that her forced retirement weird break might have been too short, but the fact of it is she came back. Nanai made a new promotion. Her and Yoshiko went there. And then we also have to think, Kyohei Wada was the referee of the match. He didn't do anything to stop it. No one really did anything to stop anything. Samurai kept the cameras rolling. 
the film of the match is out there with the samurai production. Like, it's not a good or fun situation, but literally everyone's moved on. And ironically, most of the people who still yell about it in 2018, the year of our Lord, are people <laughs> who don't even watch Joshi. Yeah. Who have like Bullet Club John or whatever roll yeah. up in your mentions and say, well, oh, she beat up act in that shoot. That was pretty deplorable. I'm like, yes, it happened. No one's denying it. No one's telling you you have to watch Seedling or support Yoshiko. But we've moved on. The fact is, she still wrestles. Act retired. She's moved on. We've all moved on. Um, yeah. And like, I, I feel like there definitely was a period for a while where if you even said, not just the name Yoshiko, but just the word Seedling. Like someone would have to show up in your mentions to be like, I don't watch that because of da, da, da. But now I feel like this year it's gotten a little better. And I don't see as much of that as the people automatically just saying, like, oh, it's, you know, if you watch Seedling, I'm going to come arrest you. Like, you really don't see that anymore. But, you know, it's not a popular promotion either. So it's just kind of like the people who watch it, watch it and talk about it. And the people who, you know, most people don't really pay attention to it. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit. They're very interesting promotion because they're, you know, they don't have a huge roster. Um, the roster is like, what, like six or seven people, I think. It's four, to... four active wrestlers. Four, okay. One referee. So it's Ari, who am I forgetting? Arisa, Wait, Arisa Nakajima, then I talk. Sorry. Four total people, three active wrestlers. Oh, okay. I was wondering who, because I could think of Arisa, I could think of Nanai, and I could think of Yoshiko. I'm just like, yeah. who the fuck's the fourth? <laughs> I must have still been thinking when Sari had that weird time when she was a part of Seedling. Oh, yeah. But they use, they just use a lot of, like, you know, freelancers and people from other promotions, and as we're talking about in the title tournament, they, they're almost like they're becoming like an outpost of wave in a weird way. They use a lot of the same people that wave uses. And then sometimes that's like marvelous people, which is another one that, you know, very few people watch, but um, I mean, I, my personal promotions, seedling, I try to catch, you know, pretty regularly. Cause I, I enjoy what, it, what they put out there. I don't always keep up with it, but I usually at least am pretty current on it. I trip and I almost never watch um just because it's on it's on that the nico only which i really can't stand um i know like the hardcore ice urban fans are probably screaming because i know they they hate the samurai broadcast because i get because it's clipped you know some of the matches are clipped it's in a two hour hour time slot but like i just can't like the nico thing it's like i want if i watch a wrestling show i want to i want to hear the crowd you know and it feels like on those nico broadcasts you can't even hear the crowd over the insert guy or the, whoever the insert lady is. Um, yeah. But yeah, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, the Nico broadcast quality is definitely a major reason why I don't watch a lot of Ice Ribbon, because I put it in my notes for, I think, Akane Fujita versus Tikur Shida. That was a match with heat, and because you could actually hear the crowd, like you felt that, because I believe... It may not have been the December show, but late last year, it was Arisa Nakajima versus Kasa Fujimoto, but it was on Nico Nico. So they did the weird left ear is like commentary, right ear is ring sound. And you could tell from the video that Arisa and Sukasa were in a heated match. 
you could see the crowd clapping along, feeling the match. But then it was, I think it was Mio and Mayukihi on commentary. And it sounded like you and a best friend trying to commentate a match. It wasn't great. And it took away from the match. Yeah. Um, so that's why I don't watch a lot of Ice Raven. I mean, whenever they're on, um, you know, whenever they're on Samurai, I get pretty hyped because it's like, well, I, you know, I can't wait to watch it on Samurai. And now they have a new TV deal that's debuting next month with, uh, which we got a question about, so you might as well just mention it here. The So basically they're going to be on the Nippon TV uh, satellite network, which is, I, oh God, I just had the name. What the hell was it? Nilet, I think, right? Something like that. I have I have it in front. I can look it up. It's like knee tear. There we go. So it's like it's not so nip on TV, they're the same ones you have G Plus, which is like the sports network that Noah is on, you know, occasionally. But I think like basically like four or five Noah shows a year. This is not that. This is like a more general entertainment network that Ice Ribbon will be on. And if you look at the the ice ribbon. I looked at the ice ribbon page on there earlier, and it's it pushes like the variety show aspect of it a little bit, and like, oh, these these are really pretty girls, and they're almost like idols. Like the the thing definitely mentions idols in the in the um, in the write up. So that's basically how they're they're pushing the ice ribbon thing. Um, what I, so that that starts next month. I mean, that's already the first show, I believe, is the November eleventh. Is on it's either airing November 11th or it's the November 11th show. I wasn't really clear on that, but it's definitely going to be next month. So that's coming up really quickly. And so, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to watch that once they make tape and on something other than Nico, because I really enjoyed this show as we'll get into, but um, that's exciting. So ice ribbon will be another Jersey company that has TV. So, cause really right now it's, um, it's basically ice ribbon who, you know, they, they get like one or two Corkins a year on Samurai. Seedling gets on Samurai. I don't know. It felt like they, it felt like Seedling went a while without being on Samurai. Like this yeah. year, maybe like four or five months or something. Now, and they've been on a couple times. I think they're going to be on again next month, although they haven't put out the schedule yet. But, um, you know, we, I'd be surprised if Samurai ran the quarterfinals of this world title tournament and then they're not going to run the semifinal and final, but I guess we'll see. Um, you know, obviously, Stardom is on Samurai, um, but they that matters a little bit less since you know the Stardom world. Send that girls is on Samurai, but again, that matters less since we have their streaming service now. And Oz Academy is on Gayora, which is like a sports network that also airs a bunch of men's wrestling promotions. So that's pretty much the lay of land. Like Wave is on their Wave is not on any television network; it's just on their internet thing, which. Um, it's you know, bad. Yeah, so they basically I I don't watch Wave and it's because like the hardcore the really really hardcore Jersey people I know like and the voice wrestling Slack are always complaining about how long Wave takes to upload matches. So I'm just like, well, I don't need to deal with that. I took a Joshi Pro, obviously that doesn't have TV, but they're on DT Universe. I forgot to mention them. What are you gonna but say about Wave? The thing with Wave is it would be faster for you to go to either Amazon Japan or call someone ask. Hey, are you going to a wave show? Can you pick me up? Can you wire your money? Because it takes months, and then they don't even upload the whole show within a week. Like, gosh, it took them months to upload that 10th anniversary show. And I sat here contemplating 
you know, I could go to Amazon Japan and buy the DVD of the anniversary show. <laughs> and I think I might still do that because it seemed like a fun show, but oh, gee whiz, Gammy can't even <laughs> upload stuff and now she's going to go away and I'm not going to miss her. Um, but yeah, so that's Wave. I mean, like Taylor, uh, previous guest on here, is just raving about the year Misaki Ohada is having. Like yeah. basically saying she's having this incredible year. But like no one can fucking watch it because Wave takes 10 years to upload the fucking matches and no one has the Wave network. But he insists she's like top five in the world. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I mean, I, every, I, when I see her, the few times a year I see her in other places, I really like her. So it, it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me. But it's like she too bad she most of her outputs for this fucking promotion. Yeah. But... <laughs> God. And that's the same thing with Asuka. Not Asuka and WWE, but yes. with Asuka. I love her so much. And she got the belt this year and knew it was great. And guess what? You can't watch most of it. <laughs> it's on Wave Network. You gotta wait until recently she was at a Wrestle One show to fight Hana. And then geez, where else does she show up? Uh, she was in D- she was in DET for a while with the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the big love yeah big love um but yeah it's it's pretty bad I wish they, I wish Waver got their shit together um you know there's marvelous marvelous has their own streaming thing right I think yes they're on freshlive.tv and the deal with Fresh Live is the first half of the show will be free to watch but you need to pay to see the second half of the show. And Marvelous has a YouTube, but that's mostly for, like, match promotion. And Marvelous Twitter is probably the most dedicated group in Joshi Twitter. Yeah, they love their fucking Marvelous. It's true. Marvelous is just fun. It's yeah. so much fun. Um, what, it, what, does, what does Pure J air on? I don't even know for them. They do not have a TV deal. You will see TV clips on, like, Occupation of Joshi yes. or Samurai... What's the name of Samurai's um, like rest Bat- recap show? Battleman. Yeah, you'll see clips on Battleman and Occupation of Joshi. They're mostly just running on DVDs right now. Okay, because yeah, I mean, I w- I was gonna bring up those two shows. Um, if you ever just want to see like a bunch of clips from a bunch of different promotions that you maybe can't see, that's you know, Occupation of Joshi is great for that. Uh, even like the Daily Battleman is great for that. Which not not daily, it's three times a week, but. Yeah, I mean, like you'll see. Uh, that's that's basically how I keep up with um, a lot of these promotions. I just see their clips on on Battleman or especially Occupation of the Joshi. Like Battleman, I'll watch if I'm really bored and like don't feel like watching a full show. But Occupation of the Joshi, I almost always watch every month. So I mean, that's just you know you'll get caught up on it, but you at least get to see a bunch of clips. But very short clips, to be clear. Uh, Hikaru Shida was the last host, actually. She looked uh, oh, yeah. very, very pretty. <laughs> uh, what's the mole's name? I know mole, he- I, isn't it just, oh, God, what the, what is the mole's name? It's, the, <laughs> it's a Spanish name, right? It is a Spanish name, I believe. I mean, it's like, I know that it's the announcer from Big Japan that voices him, but I can't oh, remember. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the, you know, the guy with the glasses, the old guy? Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh. The voice of uh of the mole. Let's see. Oh god, what's his name? Okay, Sayoko Mita is the the girl who hosts it. Oh Carlos the Carlos the Mexican Mole. There you go. There we go, Carlos. Yeah. And it's voiced by um 
Hirosugu Suyama, who's like the if you ever watch Big Japan shows, he's like the old guy with the glasses. That's always at like the start of it or the um you know, or the end of it. So <laughs> that's that's the if you're ever wondering who who voices that mole, that's the guy. Um probably ninety percent of the people have no idea what we're talking about, but it's okay. Yeah. Just he's... watch your samurai, everybody, and you'll see these people. I don't know. Um but yes, so we, we got that's a little lay of the Jersey land, I guess, which is cool. But basically explaining why I don't catch a lot of ice ribbon, but a lot more now that they're on uh Nitele or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, but, and the TV deal comes at a pretty good time because Ice Ribbon's biggest show is always their December Ice Mania. Ribbon Ribbon Mania is always Ribbon, December. Yeah. And that TV deal is coming like two cork and alls before that show. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some really cool stuff on this show, and that's the one we're going to talk about first is the, the December eighth or uh, December October eighth Ice Ribbon show Ice Ribbon New Ice Ribbon number nine thirteen October Ice Ribbon Fest twenty eighteen. Um, it drew an, an alleged eight hundred seventy seven fans to Cork and Hall. Uh, this aired on Samurai. I believe I think it was like five. Yeah, it was like the thirteenth. It aired. Like five days later. Or no, maybe it was like the 11th. I don't know. It aired a Samurai a few days later. Um, and this was a pretty cool little card. I don't know. What do you think of the show overall? I, I thought this was pretty pretty enjoyable. There's some stuff on I really liked. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Like, I got more because I watch wrestling on my computer, not TV. I definitely got more distracted watching Ice Urban than Seedling. And that's because Ice Urban has more like long-term storylines. So if you don't have all the storylines, you may be a little confused or out of the loop, I should say, on what's mm. going on. So my eyes definitely wandered trying to find more information. And taking a break from watching wrestling this year, even if I didn't mean to, it definitely gave me more time to think about what I'd enjoy as a fan. And I can't say, you know, tropes that happen in a lot of ice river matches are definitely not my favorite things like a lot of ice river matches there will be a lot of like outside brawling walking around cork and hall you know throwing elbows all of that stuff it's not my most favorite thing but this is i think a good show maybe to springboard into ice ribbon yeah um what one thing i liked about ice ribbon style in general is i've always really liked like flash pins and ice ribbon is like the fucking home of the flash pen. I mean, they 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 love their fucking flash pens and cradles here, and they will go for them constantly. So if you're into flash pens, this is like the promotion for you. Yeah. Um, also really like the very '80s music for their intro. I don't know if you heard that, but it was very like it was extremely '80s sounding music. Um, but yeah, so this show opened with Risa Sarah against Tsukasa Fujimoto. Now, again, I'm not an ice ribbon expert here, but these are two pretty big stars in the company. Um, I was wondering what the fuck was going on when the two of them were out here and in the opening match. It would turn out to be kind of the beginning of a running gag, so it made sense they were the opener. But at the time, I was just like, why are they? Why is this opening the show? I don't know. Yeah. You- um, I don't know why they were the opening match. I usually try to go to Pro Wrestling Weekly because they – they're pretty good on like writing their recaps with the story included. They didn't have her ice ribbon, but yeah, I was watching along. It's like, 
interesting, bold decision how this opened, but whatever. First call happens, you know, and then Sukasa grabs the mic and she's just saying, Oh, let's go for a second fall. And Reese is like, Okay. <laughs> spill out into the floor. They start walking around. And now I'm thinking, Oh, here we go. We're going to have an extended brawl period. Someone's going to bash their head on the east sign because that's a cliche thing to do in Corrigan. You always have to hit someone's head on the east sign and then someone's going to fall down the stairs. But they went up the stairs. Risa Sarah like walks down the stairs and did double knees into Sakasa's gut. Then somehow spilled out into the lobby and they got in the elevator. And that's when like, Hamako Hoshi and someone else, maybe Akane Fujita, had to walk back into the arena and say, they're in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, they were, that, that was really, really funny. Like they both just walked into Corican like, uh, we don't know what to do. And they just decided to start the next match. But yeah, that was... Uh, they just vanished, basically, which is really funny. But yeah, the actual match, though, I enjoyed it. I thought um, they did a lot of like the, the taking turns, sitting and kicking kind of cliche thing. I mean, the, the main note I have is there's a lot of cradles and a lot of kicks in this match. Um, and I, when Risa, like, she got hit with like some kind of like funky, like jumping cradle driver thing and yeah. kicked out of it, she like went really nuts after that which I thought was the highlight of the match. Like she was like really fired up after that. And when, after then Fujimoto did eventually get the pin after a long cradle sequence. But then, like you said, we got the restart and then they vanished. So the reason why it was an opener became clear soon enough when we would, we rejoined them later. But yeah, this is a pretty fun little opener though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And <laughs> Like, my fear with Ice Room and Tsukasa Fujimoto is always that Tsukasa Fujimoto is always a factor to win the main title, no matter what. Because mm. she won it this year because Tsukasa, Hamako Hoshi, and I'm blanking on the other woman's name. But this year is all their 10th anniversaries for being in wrestling and Ice Ribbon. And that's why two of them have gotten main title runs. So it was, I was kind of glad that Tsukasa was away from the lighter half of the show and she was just straight up in the opener and she literally vanished because it meant that, oh, she's not going to swoop in. It's like, oh, I'm Tsukasa Fujimoto, ace of ice ribbon. would be a real shame if I just took the belt again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she got, she did get the belt back and saying this is six title reign. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and Risa Sarah, she had the heir parent. Yeah, she had it for the she had it. Risa Sarah had it from December sixteen, so that was interesting. Yeah, but I wish it was Sakushi, but circumstances happened. Cannot be <laughs> yes. Do you want to mention the reason why for people who have no idea? Okay, so if you watch Stardom, then you need to go back. Jeez, how many months ago? It must have been, I think, early January. If you're a Stardom fan, you may have remembered one show, suddenly Kagesu had a couple bandages on her abdomen and hands. I and thought it was I thought it was I thought it was like fall 2017, wasn't it? I feel like I know it was before Mon Monami Toyota's retirement show, which was February this year. I thought it was after the December show. Because I'm pretty sure it was. Let's say I think the December show 
if I have the right years correct. I think the December show, Risa beat Sakushi for the title, I want to say. And Sakushi so, and Kurumi were like, they were tag champions. So it was actually even earlier than I thought. It was July 23rd, 2017. Oh, well. Yeah. I totally got my years wrong. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So there's Sukushi. So Sukushi, yes, like like uh, Alex was saying, one day Kagetsu had some bandages on her, and that would be because Shikushi fucking stabbed her. Yes, <laughs> and depending on who you listen to, reportedly, allegedly, I heard this from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone who was on the scene that it was a lover's quarrel, and Sukushi stabbed Kagetsu. And this happens maybe near the pink bus, which is owned by Kyoko Kimura, which if you pay attention, Kyoko travels to different Joshi shows with her pink cat bus and serves food. So reportedly, it happened at the pink cat bus. She stabbed Kagesu. She got in legal trouble because at the time, she was a legal minor. You're a legal minor in Japan until you turn 20 years old. She was 19 at the time. She got in legal trouble. Like, police are were involved, not shockingly. She basically disappeared off the face of the earth. She took an office job with Ice Ribbon. Even Monami Tiyota had to say, oh, you know, it's a real shame. I love Sakushi. Wish she could have been on my retirement show, but I didn't want fans to worry that, you know, someone with a criminal history was on the show. And yeah, she came back, hair dyed black. She was in white gear. She had her whole rear oh, I apologize, I'm reborn, I'm in white gear, blah, blah, blah. But now she's back, she's happy. Obviously, Kagisu went on to be fine. She has the red belt now, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was not like a life-threatening stabbing, but it was. No, it was like, she didn't like stab deep, but she obviously made contact because Kagisu had to get bandages. Yeah. Um, but she returned on the Ribbon Mania 2017 show December 31st. Wow. Where she lost to she lost to Shikasa Fujimoto. Yep, I read my dates off. Wow. Yeah, it's it's okay. That's why we have the internet here to look things up. But um, but yeah, so Tsukushi, that that would be why, as Alex was saying, you know, if you you may like her, but she probably will not be the Ice Infinity champion anytime soon. Um, but yeah, so that was the opener. Then we move into the six woman tag team match. This is the one where it was the most lost. A lot of these matches, pretty much every other match on the show, I knew, you know, everybody or, like, most of the people in the match or, like, if I didn't know somebody, they were, like, a rookie or something. Here, I just, like, had no clue. So it was um, it was Gilia, Makoto, and Makoto and Tequila Saya beating Matsuya Uno, Miyuyaki Matsumoto, and Taya Hama. And 9.38. Um, my big note for this was basically no idea what the fuck is going on, but the one who has an Italian flag skirt seemed to use her crotch as a weapon at one point. <laughs> that was my big note from the match. Yeah. Um, and it looked like there was a the uh, like a little bit of a botch on the on the cradle at the pen. But yeah, this was just kind of there for me. But again, I didn't really know anybody in it. So, so I do know some of them. Tai Honma is from Beginning Pro, which is home of the Actress Girls, one of my favorite promotions, despite them only really being on DVDs in Battleman highlights. 
Yuyo Hota is their manager. Oh wait, I do know. I do know Makoto. I just realized. Yeah, because she I've seen her. She used to be. She used to be like in Smash. Yeah. Yes. Here, right, so throwback Smash. Yeah. And so I do know Makoto. Makoto is uh, very attractive, I will say, and she stands out because she's like five. She's a like five six, and obviously a lot taller than most of the other Jersey wrestlers. Yeah, so. gosh, man, Smash, and then she was in WNC Wrestling the Classic, which was Tajiri's promotion. Then she was in Reina with Kana and Yuri, and wow, that's when I started watching Japanese wrestling. Wow, um, but yeah, Makoto, she's cool. I could have sworn there, maybe there was somebody else in here I did recognize too, because I could have sworn there was one on each team. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Tai Honma's from Beginning Pro, which is the promotion Yumiko Hota is managing and not running into the ground like the last promotion she had hold of. And yeah, Julia and is I don't think she's been wrestling a full three years yet. So she's like more on the rookie side. Yeah, she's from London. Yeah. But but like a permanent, but a permanent ice ribbon like dojo member, I think, right? Yeah, because I assume she lived in Japan because I think a news station ran a story on her because she's half Italian, half Japanese, mm-hmm. and now she's doing something. It's like, oh, you're a Saldahafu, live in modern Japan. And yeah, Tequila Seya, I know she has like a Mexican motif because of the flag and the name Tequila. And then I, I'm sorry, gang, but I really don't know the younger half of the Iceman roster. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't either, so it's fine. Like, I still don't know what the whole, you know, team date thing is with Iceman. Well, that's like, because they used to be MMA got people, I think. Yeah, the, it is an MMA crew, and like, one of them is in Ganyu Jima, and that's really cool. And they all cosplay, but I still don't know what the heck they're doing in Iceman. <laughs> I thought when they first got there, it would just be like some storyline thing, but now it just feels permanent. Yeah, I mean, the dates are, you know, they're pretty... I feel like now date is the one you see the most often, but there's a bunch of them, and they're all, you know, they're all around. It's a whole team. Yeah. Um, so the next match, that that can transition well here, too. Arisa Nakajima and Karen Date defeating Asahi and Mizaki Ohada. Um, this was like basically a pretty simple setup here with two, you have a 15 year old on each team in the case of Karen Date and Asahi teaming up with a Joshi veteran on each team. Um, and this was like, this match ended up being fucking awesome. Like I really, for, for an 11 minute tag, you know, and it's only the third match on the show. Like I went three and three quarters on this match. I think it might've been my match of the night. If not, it was really close. Oh no, I definitely had the semi-main higher. Okay. But yeah, this was this was a really good tag match. Um, you know, it, like I just mentioned earlier, uh Misaki Ohada, but people who watch Wave say she's having an incredible year and she was incredible in this match. So, you know, I don't really doubt them. And Arisa Nakajima is like one of these people who I don't get to see super often since she only pretty much only works seedling at this point. But like she is again fucking awesome. So you know, two really awesome wrestlers here. And the rookies look good. I mean, it's not like they look, you know, they they hung in there with them for, 
you know, a pair of 15 year olds. So, um, you know, there was a, there was like a whole period where Arisa was just like completely no selling, <laughs> no selling Asahi's drop kicks at the start and just like kicking at her. And then she almost like fucking murdered her with a curb stomp. It was very vicious. Um, what, what do you think about the 15 year old wrestling? Are you okay with that? I know some people are really get really upset by it. Um, it doesn't really bother me, but yeah. So it doesn't bother me because honestly, outside of the U S and even in the U S outside of like major wrestling areas, like I could probably go to some podunk town in Texas, find a wrestling show. And there's probably going to be some teens wrestling under mass because Oh yeah, here's some talent I can I can get away with only paying twenty bucks. Here you go, kids. Yeah. But yeah, in Japan and Mexico specifically, in Japan, like women's wrestling, and in Mexico, men and women, you start when you're a teenager. Like in Mexico, you can find wrestlers who are only twenty something year old and have ten anniversary shows. And in Japan, there is a reason. It's because back in the day. From when AJW started in the 60s up until the mid-90s, there was a retirement rule. At age 26, you had to retire. So if you wanted a career, an actual career in wrestling, you had to start when you were a teen. And then there's also the added part of sex appeal, selling beauty. That happens before the 90s. Shocking, I know, because I've seen some people think that sex appeal was not used before the 90s. It was. So you had a lot of like young, beautiful women. You start them young. If you want a career, you had to start as a teen. And if you didn't want to be considered, quote, old and haggard, you would start as a teen, go into your 20s, 26 years old. Oh, well, that's over. I'm off to be married, never to be seen again until we have a Hall of Fame ceremony in the 90s. Goodbye, everybody. But I don't hate teens wrestling because... In actual combat sports, you start competing in a combat sport when you're a kid, like karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing. A lot of those top athletes start when they're literally children. Yeah. And so, I mean, people play sports as kids, too. It's not, yeah. I mean, look, I think people – one thing I think when it comes to, like, wrestling fans in the, in the West is we hear – you know, oh, this person's a wrestler, and we think, oh no, they're destroying their body, doing all these bumps, and da 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 da. But like, it's not like if you look at like the the schedule for one of these fifteen year olds, like Asahi, she's working six matches in a month. You know, like it's not like she's she's not out here on a fucking WWE schedule doing you know, f- you know four half shows a week plus TV and shit. It's like she's, these people are working, these kids are working like between three to six matches a month. I mean, and a lot of them are tags. It's like, it's, I understand that there's some people like, oh, you're destroying their bodies, you know, at, you know, at a young age or whatever. But like, I don't know. So are football players in the US. Yeah. And they're probably destroying their bodies more, honestly. And- so I, I think let people do, if, if, if people want to start young, if they want to learn to wrestle, and these girls want to learn to like handle themselves and, and you know, cause I mean, obviously wrestling is fake, but learning how to kick somebody, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, can help you in a bad situation. It's like, you know, let them do it. I don't really see what the big deal is. 
Yeah, and like you said, they're not doing full on like three, four shows a week. They have school. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the requirement is to go to school in Japan. Like, do you have to go to high school to a certain age or whatever? But these kids are going to school. So between school and actual dojo training, they're not doing a lot of real matches. Yeah. It's like we're talking. I just looked it up on cage match to be sure. But, like, you're talking, like, five to six matches in, in a month. So, like, it's really not. These schedules are not, like, friggin' owner you know like enormous or anything yeah they're not going on full across the country tours with the company like because i'm pretty sure like if their parents like my parents they probably don't let them outside the city yeah but anyway so the point is is i don't really have a problem but yes aris and akajiba almost killed this poor kid so maybe you saw that you would have a problem i don't know um and then there was like a bit. There was a build up to the two, the two veterans, uh, you know, Ohada and Nakajima, like just fucking finally just forming the shit out of each other, which was awesome. And you know, Karen Date came in and she actually started getting some offense in on Asahi, or, or not on Asahi, on, on Ohata, unlike what Asahi did on Nakajima. Um, and the, the two kids had a really cool exchange, which I thought was really their, their exchange was actually a lot better than you would expect for, again, two kids and all that. Um, and and there was a spot towards the end. So those those rope-hang double stomps, a lot of times can look really fucking stupid and fake and, like, contrived. But this might have been, like, the least fake-looking one I've ever seen. Because, like, the way it was set up, basically, um, like, Karen kicked Masaki Ohada in the ass from behind when she was on the turnbuckle to like put her in that position and then super quickly, like we're talking the moment she got into that position, um, Arisa jumped off with the double stop. So she wasn't standing there like holding herself up on this position for like a fucking hour. The way I see it sometimes it was like the moment she kicked her in the ass and she like fell backwards. Like, um, you know, Arisa hit the double stop. So I thought that was really well done. Um, and then there was, I thought that was going to be the pin, but somehow they, they went in to break it up. And then there was a really, really strong closing stretch before Karen finally got the pin on SIE with a cradle. But yeah, this was awesome. I really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, and the rookies, as you said, they got their shine too. It wasn't just the, oh, I'm the veteran. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm just going to destroy you. They let you know Asahi and Karen get some offense in, and they got to do some cool stuff. I believe... Karen, she did a really cool part where she like ran off the turnbuckle and then did, I think, a DDT. Can't remember. But yeah, Karen and Ozzy got the shine. And after the match, when I think it was, oh yeah, also he was on the ground trying to recover. And Arisa was an asshole, kicked Asahi in the head. And Misaki was like, not today. And Misaki and Arisa got in a scuffle and they had to be separated because this feud, I believe, started last year when the Avid Rival versus Best Friends feud started, Best of Three series. And off of that, Arisa and Misaki Ohata have been having a pretty heated feud. And so this match was a vehicle for one, that feud to continue, and then also Karen obviously got to work with veterans, got to get more experience, and got to have like a pretty good match. 
but yeah, so very cool little tag match here. Um, then we move into the next match, which also featured a 15-year-old. Uh, at this time, Ibuki Hoshi in a singles match against Aja Kong. Um, <laughs> not sure that was ever going to go well for her. But yeah, I mean, Aja, Aja just kind of like basically stood there. <laughs> um, that was pretty much her. She barely did, moved in the match, which, you know, if you're, why would you sell for a 15-year-old if you're Aja Kong, I guess? But it didn't make for like a very interesting match. She pretty much just stood there. Um, and then I don't really, I just said all that stuff about the 15 year olds and not, and thinking it's okay, but I don't really know if I need to see Aja Kong crack head with the steel, with her like steel box thing. <laughs> I could have lived without, huh? The trash can. Yeah. The trash can thing. I, I really could have lived without that. I think. Well, based on what I've seen, it is a very thin metal. Oh, like- well, that's good. Yeah, because it gives a good sound. Because I remember, I believe last year, it was a tag match with Aja and Mako versus Ayako and somebody. And Aja was outside, literally threw the trash can in and hit Ayako in the head. And it made a great just smack sound. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, but I'm, so okay, that's good. But anyway, match just kind of there for me. Yeah, I will say the opening video for the match was probably the best thing. Because Hamako, who was the Buki's mom, they were both standing in the ring, and Tsukasa's like, oh, are you ready to know who your surprise opponent is? And it's doing all this dramatic, like, close-ups for everyone's faces. And Tsukasa announces Aja Kong, and camera pans to Hamako Hoshi, dramatic slowdown of her reaction. And then it goes back to Tsukasa, Dramatic slowdown for an evil smile once she announced Aja was Ibuki's opponent. So the promo was probably the best part because it was hilarious. <laughs> um, after that, we had another tag team match. Uh, Mikey, Ozaki, and now Date defeating Kiri and Satsuki Totoro in 9.56. Um, Ozaki, or Kiri pinned Ozu- Ozuki. Sorry, it's Ozaki. Um but yeah, it was. Uh, oh no, it is Ozaki. <laughs> I, t- I typed it as Ozuki the second time. But yeah, this was good. I don't really have a ton to say about it. it really wasn't. Um, you know, they like the big thing to me was just like when Ozaki slapped Kiri like really hard, and Kiri like just totally flipped the fuck out with elbows and kicks. That was pretty cool. But otherwise, not not a lot from this match really stuck with me. So I don't know. Do you have anything and note to say about this match? No, I have the same reaction. This is definitely the match that stuck with me the, la- the least amount from this whole show. Jen, that's just due to me being so unfamiliar with all the participants. Mm. Well, you know, not everything sticks with us, so it's okay. I mean, I didn't make a lot of notes at the time either, so, you know, I clearly, I don't know if I just, it was distracted. I was distracted or something, but... It was all right. I remember. I remember not like hating it or anything. I just remember being kind of there. But the next match featured one of my personal favorites, Hikaru Shida. Um, so she apparently the story with her, from what I understand, is she had been out of Ice Ribbon for a while. Yeah. Um, like she, let me look this up because I can give you the exact year here. I want to uh, say four years. Since yeah, it was definitely because you can look easily on. Yeah, so it looks like her last appearance with Ice Ribbon. She did 25 matches in 2014, oh, early in 2014 too, like March 30th, 2014, and then did not appear in the promotion again 
until this year. So four years is exactly right. She made her first return on August 26th when she beat Risa Serra in Yokohama. And in this match, she was taking on Akane Fujita, who is a person who was actually traded by Hikaru Shida. You know, they're both, they're very similar. They're both, um, you know, they're both kind of on the tall side for Joshi wrestlers. They're both around 5'5". Five, five. And, you know, I feel like they kind of wrestle a similar style. So it kind of makes sense that Shida would be her trainer. But, um, you know, they they had a, a match here that was a, like a very much like a clash of two people who knew each other very well. And, you know, it started out with like, Hikaru did the, the Kamigoe, uh, which is like the double knee thing, like a minute into the match, which I thought was really funny. And Akane, like, immediately tried to, or Akane, like, she immediately tried to hit her with a kendo stick, which Akaru, like, she caught the kendo stick and then viciously pulled her hair around for a while, which it was just, like, almost felt like, how dare you try to hit me with this stick? But um, it, like, ended up getting hit by, like, a really huge flying shoulder block. Um, and after that, there was, like, a really long um, chest, like, slap battle followed like a, a super gross headbutt by Akane. And then we went to Hikaru with like a big flurry of running knees. And then after right, right, right after she had hit a superplex and then she got the pin. Um, I don't know. I, I was actually expecting this to be maybe better. I mean, I didn't dislike it, but I thought just cause I really like Hikaru Shida and I've seen uh, Fujita before and I like her as well that maybe I was expecting a little bit more. Like I would probably put this in like the three and a quarter range, but you know, it was still good, but um, you know, my expectations are a little bit higher. I don't know. What'd you think of it? So I get what you're saying. Cause for backstory people, Hikarushia is a nice, originally a nice room wrestler and she left four years ago and she made her first appearance in promotion this year in Yokohama against Risa Sarah. So there's bad blood between her and the people in Ice Ribbon who stayed in between that time because another wrestler, the recently retired Oe Kazuki, she was another Ice Ribbon original who left the promotion a couple years ago. So that's like your basic foundation for this match. Kai Fujita stuck with the promotion. Kikaru Shida left, became freelance, and now she's back to the promotion trying to, you know, I guess assert dominance over all the other ice room people is saying, oh, I'm better than you, blah, blah. And I left the promotion. You guys just stuck here with Sakasa. <laughs> I kind I guess, depending on where they keep going with the Hikaru story, I imagine it's probably going to be a big match in December between her and someone else. But if there's not, I kind of wish there might have been blood in this match because I know Akane Fujita bleeds in matches occasionally. And I feel like blood would have helped but that I don't like shoot headbutts. I'm not a fan of the sound. I hate the thud, especially someone who has thunk their head against someone during gym class pretty hard. I'm not a fan of headbutts like that. But as I talked about earlier, this match, you can tell there was heat and the crowd was into it because there was proper sound and proper commentary. Unlike last year, with Tsukasa versus Arisa, it was just two peeps in the studio, and it was terrible. This match, you can feel the energy from the crowd. You could actually hear the crowd, hear the wrestlers, and that helped bring the story onto the screen. And I felt 
that, yeah, Akane's kind of pissed off that he Kurushita for leaving the promotion four years ago. Yeah. I mean, you definitely got that vibe that, like, there was real bad blood here. And the the post-match really made that even more clear, which was a really, really cool post-match thing where there's just this long confrontation with Hikaru and the like the entire Ice Ribbon roster coming to the ring to confront her. And Hikaru, it felt like Hikaru was almost like, yeah, any of you want to fucking fight me, then step up. And nobody really stepped up, which makes her look like quite the badass. But, you know, I hope, I would love to see it lead to her challenge like Fujimoto and win the title. Just because I think that'd be a really cool storyline to do. But, or not. But yeah, I'm, I'm admittedly a huge mark for Hikaru a show. So um, I could be biased here. But yeah. Um, we forgot to mention, by the way, earlier, they cut, they cut to Fujimoto and Sarah like fighting somewhere outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was funny. It was like a construction barrier that I think Tsukasa used first and then Risa used. And then they eventually made it to like a temple and were fighting outside the temple gates. Yeah. And that's, I, think, I think that's where they cut back here. And Risa Sarah got the pin for on the second fall of like a 107 minute match. But which was really because it was really because they had that graphic there to tell you the match time. And it's like 107. Uh, but yes, after that, we get into I, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about Sheeta and the storyline and the, the post match? I. Like you said, in December, since that's the big ice cream show, I feel like it's probably going to be Hikurushita versus Takasa Fujimoto. But maybe if they decide to go a little more violent, it can be Risa Sarah versus Hikurushita in a death match. Because Risa Sarah, for those who don't know, she loves deathmatch wrestling. She's a big BJW fan. She has had death matches before on her own produced shows. Hikurushita, she, oh, gosh. She's done hardcore matches, but I don't, I don't think she's done death matches. I'm sure she... I, I bet you she'll be up for it. But. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that would be really cool to do, but I also don't know how into death matches the Ice Ribbon audience is. Because yeah. most of Risa's death matches are on her own produced shows. I remember when Stardom did that fucking... Um, the Kagetsu and Yoshirai tag mm-hmm. earlier this year. Yeah. Like yeah. people freaked the the stardom fans freaked the fuck out and oh, and that and that was like nothing. So oh, God. Like the stardom fans in Japan really hated it. So it's just not not what they they come to see, I guess. They don't want to see their waifus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had I had an entire moment on Twitter about that whole fiasco. Like, first of all, these are wrestlers making wrestling decisions. Let them make wrestling decisions. Like, I understand sometimes those decisions are not good. And, yeah, as fans, we can be disgusted or not comfortable and disgust. But so here's the thing with Atsushi Onida-style death matches. It's very theatrical and very showy and not so much actually dangerous. Like, yeah. exploding bat matches are sparks. It's yeah. a bunch of sparks. That's right. it. The Stardom fans definitely freaked out to a degree that I was not expecting. But like, oh my gosh! But again, I guess I, I've been in the Stardom crowds. So like I probably should have. And these are people who are there to see to see their favorites, basically. And that's what they're, which is cool. You know, it's a very idle. It's a very idle crowd. Yeah, like it's not like a New Japan crowd now, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like not to be mean, not to diss 
you know, the stardom audience. But there are definitely a lot of men in that crowd that, as you said, are there to just see their favorite woman. They and, want to <laughs> and that's it. And as soon as she's anywhere near danger, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, how could she yeah. do this? She's going to hurt herself. She's going to get a scar. This is dangerous. Which, another thing, if you watch, say, an Io Shirai versus Mayu Iwatani match, that's more dangerous oh, yeah. than putting that. I was going to bring up this point too. They fucking kill each other in stardom. Like <laughs> this makes it really funny. They beat the fucking shit out of each other. I mean, I watched. It's not even like that's a a past thing. I just watched that. Uh, the what? what who the fuck was it? it was Maya Yutani and Momo Watanabe on the fight? Yeah. P. They fucking killed each other in that match. So <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it's really funny. They they they're okay with them killing each other as long as it's through kicks and wrestling moves and forearms and stuff, but no, sparky sparky bats are not, not allowed. And we'll probably discuss a little more stardom after yeah. the mailbag. But anyway, so, but the yeah. thing, I, I like it a lot, but I like Hikaru Shida, so. Um, the semi-main event, Rina Yamashita defeating Maya Yukihi in, in 14.09, this was awesome. Um, I mean, first of all, Rita Yamashita fucking rules. Yes. I think, I think you agree with me on that. So yes. um, right away, that's always, you know, she's going to have a pretty damn good chance to have an awesome match here. And I, I wasn't that familiar with uh, with Maya, but like she was awesome here. So that was really cool. You know, a, a wrestler that I'm definitely going to pay way more attention to after seeing her in this match. But, um, but yeah, this match, like it started with like a really long lockup, which is like, Honestly, the, the perfect way to start a wrestling match, in my opinion. I love the lockup stuff. And went to like these, oh my God, these, these fucking kicks Maya was throwing, or uh, Maya was throwing with Rina sitting down. Like they were killing her with these kicks. And then at, at some point, Rina, like her receipt was just this ridiculous lariat. Like one of the hardest lariats you will ever see. She just fucking killed her. And then at that point we saw um, there was a there was a high kick by Maya that was like a like a counter high kick. I replayed this like three or four fucking times. Like she just kicked her fucking face off. I don't know if like maybe Arena was like running too fast or like maybe she was meant to do this. I don't know. But like did you you know the kick I'm talking about? Yeah, right? yeah. She just like fucking caved her fucking face in. I was like Jesus. I met my girlfriend watching. She was like, she gave me one of those faces, like, "Why you're a sick person?" Basically, for enjoying this stuff. But yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really disgusting kick. So if you like really, really gross kicks, this is a, this is a match for you. Um, Reno eventually won the Splash Mountain in fourteen oh nine. I mean, I, you know, I this is what I this is the kind of show that I watch Joshi and Puro for. I love hard hitting matches. It's always gonna get a huge bonus for me. I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, if you watch anything from the show, just make sure you watch this match. Yeah, and this is another match with some history to it. So Mayukihi has a heel persona because she's a part of Ozaki, Miyumi Ozaki's stable over in Oz Academy. And that's where her and Rina really started to hate each other. And this is basically like on Twitter, them like yelling at each other, really 
is more Maya just having poop emojis and throwing them at Rena on Twitter, and then Rena throwing back poop emojis at her, and really culminated in Oz Academy, and that spilled over into her face persona and ice ribbon. And I love Risa Sarah, and I, it's I'm happy to see Maya Yukihi improve from when I first saw her two years ago, two and a half years ago in Oz Academy. She's really improved. And this was a good match. And as you said, when Rina sat down and basically inviting Maya to kick her, and Maya delivered with the kicks, it was so good. Yeah, I mean, this was this was that those that fucking lariat Rina threw back, and yes, uh, this was this is really like if you like hard hitting Joshi matches, like this is this is going to be your shit. Like this was so good. Um, the main event. The International Ribbon Tag Team Title, the Lovely Butchers, Hamuko Hoshi and Mochi Miyagi, defeating Hiragi Kurumi and the aforementioned, much earlier actually, Tsukushi in 1702. Um, first of all, I have to say this is someone who doesn't see them that often. The the Lovely Butchers dance at the start and calling it a dance is maybe charitable. But that's like, that's like 10 stars. I love the lovely, but they just like, they have this music, you know, that's very like dance music and they just come out and they stand in the middle of the ring and they extend their arms and they basically just like rock back and forth. Like they're on a fucking surfboard. I was like, I, I watched this like five times, just like howling more each time. I was just, I was not at all prepared for this dance. So it was very, very good. Um, but the match itself here, it's just kind of there for me. Uh, not a lot really stood out for me. I didn't think it was bad or anything. It just, you know, it was like three-star kind of range. Uh, I don't know. Do you Did you feel differently about it? I felt the same way. I'm hoping, like, near December, Kurumi and Tsukushi can challenge again. Because before the stabbing, Tsukushi and Kurumi were an established tag team. and They were the tag champs. And then stabbing happens. Eventually, the Lovely Butchers get the tag titles again. And as John mentioned, the Lovely Butchers stands is one of the best entrances in Joshi. It might be rivaled by the new traditional intro, but Lovely Butchers are definitely number one for tag team intros. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, it was a good match. Is It wasn't a barn burner, as some might say. It had trouble following that last one, I feel like. Yeah. Like, because, uh, like, Rita, Rita and Maya fucking killed each other. And then it's like, well, the lovely butchers are fine, but like, this is just kind of. Yeah. And I don't know if lovely butchers versus Tsukushi and Kurumi are really the story you want to take your show out on versus <laughs> Maya and Rina. They have some history and it's a better. I guess pure match in the ring match than Lovely Butchers versus Kurumi and Sakushi. Like the title. Tag- I understand wanting to put your titles over, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely more story driven than, you know, actual in the ropes action. Yeah. But overall, I think the Iceman show, it was fun. It wasn't, oh, a, yeah. it wasn't my favorite show of the year. Not that I've watched a lot, but. I think this is a good entry point because stories aren't ending and like it's a good entry point. You can kind of figure out who's who. It, it's easy to pick up kind of stories. Like it was easy to pick up Akane and Hikaru don't like each other. 
Maya and Rina don't like each other. Zukas and Risa, they don't hate each other. They're just out there having fun. Hikaru and the entire roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hikaru Shida, kind of an enemy in Ice Ribbon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then after this, we had the third fall of Risa, Sarah, and Tsukashi on a train with Risa, Risa, Sarah, one with the diving double knee drop. She like grabbed like this bar that holds up these little handlebars for the train and like came off the bar. That was pretty cool. But that was the end of the show. That was a cool thing to go out on. Overall, very good show. Highly recommended. Um, not like you were saying, not the best show of all time or anything, but it fucking flew by for two hours. And, yeah, you know, just you're not definitely definitely never dragged. So definitely check that out if you um, you know if you're looking for some Joshi to watch. I mean, this is again totally different from what you're going to get from other promotions where the 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 Flash Cradle is king in Ice Ribbon. So if you again if you like Flash Cradles, you're going to love you some Ice Ribbon. And if you watch the show and you enjoy it, you're joining the Ice Ribbon train just in time. Because as I said earlier, the December show is the big show for Ice Ribbon. So if you join now, you have two months of major story building until we hit the climax of the Ice Ribbon year. Yeah. And again, we the new TV deal, too, which will probably make it more accessible. So mm-hmm. we'll see the first show next month on Nippon TV Satellite Network. So let's transition over to Seedling. Yeah. Uh, Seedling D-Hire 2018 took place on October 3rd. It actually aired October 15th, so only a few days ago. Um, but yeah, this was Corrigan Hall. Drew announced 789. Uh, the main thing were the the first round of the Beyond the Sea title tournament. Um, and that was pretty much the entire card of them one match. It's, these, these cards are always very short. Uh, this one was five matches. And again, like this is basically where you have a five-match show. So you don't have, you know, for to fit it into a two-hour time slot, you don't have to do... As much as much clipping as you did for like an ice the ice ribbon show, um, so we had an opening video. The opening video for Seedling here, I thought was they did an awesome job on this. They basically did opening video for the their tournament, which is you know again called the Beyond the Sea title tournament, like the their their um, singles title. But they also have a tag title they just that just decided uh, last month. But they basically showed every single participant, all eight wrestlers. And all their accomplishments, basically being like, okay, this is why this person's in the tournament. They're either, you know, this current champion or they're this past champion. And it made it clear, like, every single person in this tournament, like, has a right to be here, which I thought was really cool. Like, you see so many tournaments, they're just thrown together as, like, well, these people are in the tournament for some reason. But this one is, like, every single person here has, like, a, you know, a reason to be in the tournament. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the opening video was really, really good. And re- as you said, really hammered in that all the women in this tournament are former singles champions of their respective promotions. Are current in one yeah. case. And so it really said, this is the cream of the crop, some of the best in the field right now. They're in a single tournament to crown the first single champion of Seedling. And as you mentioned earlier in the year, they did a tournament to decide the first tag champions. And so... Finally, Seedling feels like it's going somewhere because before the titles and the tournaments, it really felt like they were just the Nai Takahashi produced shows because you would have a high-speed match, you would have a tag match, a multi-man, 
and then Yoshiko and Nanae, and then eventually Yoshiko, Nanae, and Arisa would have their own matches. And that would be a seedling show. Thanks for coming. See you next, Corican. <laughs> and now with titles, they're, you know, it feels like we're going somewhere. There are some storylines, there are actual stakes. And there's a reason to pay attention to seedling shows besides, oh, that was a really good match. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that here's it. The opening match here was a six-woman tag. Um, I Ioe Kizuki, this was like one of her last matches before she retired a few days later, which I thought was interesting. Uh, she was in this six-person tag, and she basically did this October 3rd, she did three Gato move shows on the 4th and 5th, and then she did her Aokizuki retirement produced Final Happy, which is a Shinjuku face. Um, but yeah, so that's it for her. She's retired, um, which is... I've She's like one of these people, again, that I've seen like a million times, you know, even though um, I've never really watched... I don't... Did, what was your own promotion? She used to be Ice Ribbon, and then she went freelance. Yeah, I, I feel like I saw her in pure J highlights a lot for a while. Yeah, she showed up there a lot. But yeah, so she's like she's retired now, but this was one of her last appearances. Um, but yeah, so that that was interesting. So she was teaming here at Makoto and Tsukasa Fujimoto, two people who we just talked about on the Ice Ribbon show, and they were taking on um, Miyuki Takase who is a from actress or actress <laughs> girls, actress girls. I never had to pronounce that. Um, Ayami Sasemura, who's from Kaintai Dojo and uh, Miyu Mamono, who is from Marvelous. And if you've, there's like an entire, you, you like hinted this earlier. There was like a cult of Miyu Mamono on Twitter. And I have to say, I understand it. It's, <laughs> She is very good at professional wrestling. So, personally, I call Miyamono an agent of chaos because that's what she is. And one of my notes is, as I mentioned earlier, my first introduction to Japanese wrestling in general and to Makoto was through Smash and WNC, which were very early in her career. So I was never really impressed with Makoto. And so I eventually just like skip her matches because my memories of her were when she was like a year, two years into her career, not that great. But watching this, you know, I realized, you know, I've been kind of mean. She's gotten better. She's she's pretty good. She was pretty good in this match. And for those who have never watched a seedling show, they always have a high speed match, which is refereed by Natsuki Tayo. And it's basically just a clusterfuck match. Like no very loose rules just all over the place constant action the camera's moving and it's fun and natsuki tayo always gets involved despite being a retired wrestler and it's they're just fun they're a mess it's just bouncing off the ropes bouncing over the ropes just constant action at one point mio was pinning i think she was pinning maybe Oe Kazuki. Tayo was, you know, counting it. Tsukasa runs in and just drop kicks Natsuki Tayo and ruins the count. And that's the kind of action you can expect in a seedling high-speed match. It's the spiritual successor to the Neo Ladies high-speed style. Yeah, 
which Neo was a promotion I always liked when it was around. So that's why I'm always into these. And I want to make a note that R- this RIP Neo. Yeah. And I want to make a note that this match specifically was in dedication to the recently passed wrestler Ray, who was a major part of 2000s Yoshi. And I feel like because she was in 2000s Yoshi, a lot of people don't really know her. But yeah, there's so many people that like in, wrestled in the lost period, basically. Because like, as people who think Yoshi now is like small and hard to follow or something like you don't know anything compared to what it was like in the in the uh like the, the 2000s decade yeah you didn't have all the streaming services and online distribution you had to hope someone somehow got dvds and would kindly upload them to whichever site that you can get it and download it or they might write a review or they might burn copies and sell them at a local wrestling show yeah but, yeah it was just, I mean, I feel like there's just way more like healthy promotions now. You don't have the promotion st- shutting down like every five minutes. Yeah. But then, you know, Reyna is always there to keep up the tradition of closing and reopening and closing down. Yeah. There's a, there's a throwback, I guess. Um, okay. So in this opening match, the opening match was good, though. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was very, fun. very wacky, but. Because of all the all the stuff with the ref, like you mentioned, uh, but Aoi got the pin, which is cool. I guess she got the one last yeah. one here. She ran forever before she got the pin, which is like high speedo. <laughs> just like I think one of the announcers just like screamed that at one point. Um, but then we get into the tournament, and here's where we get serious. So the first match in the tournament was. Ryo Mizunami, who is from Wave and a former Regina D. Wave champion from December 2016 through June 2017. That would be her qualification. Uh, Taking on Takumi Iroha, who is from Marvelous and also a former Regina D. Wave champion. She held it this year, actually, June to August. Um, Yeah, Iroha is one I really like when when she shows up. Uh, She has a very, like, distinctive look, you know, with the very bright red hair. And she's also another one of these like larger ladies, you know, which tend to be my favorites. The one, the the bigger ones who just come in there and beat the shit out of people. And um, also, Rio comes out by the way to "Don't Stop the Party" by Pitbull. Great, seems like an important thing to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was they just like <laughs> I just know I tweeted something like she kicked the shit out of Rio like a minute into the match. And it's like the party has already been stopped. <laughs> it's like it was immediately. She just like fuck you. Just like kicked her as hard as she could. I'm like, wow, the party has been stopped. And then Rio was like, well, the party's back on because he gave her like this super hard lariat. Um, and then they were just like elbowing each other like as hard as they fucking can. And you know, just again, this is exactly the type of match I fucking love because they're just beating the shit out of each other. Um, yeah, and then, like, at one point, there, you know, Takumi just, like, just kept reapplying and reapplying and reapplying the sleeper until Rio finally passed out. And, yeah, I would go, like, three and three quarters on this again. I thought this was fucking awesome. But, and then Rio went after went after, after the match, too, which is, like, this isn't over, basically. This was such a good match. Like, this is more the style of wrestling I like from Japan, which is less high speed, you know, 
fast uh, pins and more just hard hits, audible, just smacks. As you said, Rio's clotheslines and lariats sounded awesome. They just sounded like they were just destroying Takumi. And Takumi's kicks are great. She's improved so much since he went to Marvelous because, for those that don't know, Takumi originally was in stardom, but then her idol, Chigusa Nageo, started a new promotion and she said, by stardom, I'm going to go wrestle for my idol. <laughs> yeah, she definitely improved a lot after she left stardom. Yeah, and that relates to a question we've got in our mailbag for later. But this is just hard hits, and that's a theme for this whole tournament. So if you know someone who's into Japanese men's wrestling, maybe wants to go into Joshi, but they're only really into more stand-up strikes, kicks, less junior style, I would say have them check out this tournament because it has a lot of parallels to what some of the men are doing and say New Japan, All Japan. It's just lariats, kicks, just throwing bombs at each other. Yeah, this was a bomb fest. Yes. I love this match. Yeah, I mean, like, this seating in general is going to be better for, like, you know – lady hosses than most promotions I yeah. feel like. It's very much a lady hoss promotion, which makes sense because, you know, that's what Nanai, Nanai kind of is. So, um, But yeah, I mean, like, they just they beat the shit out of each other in this promotion. So if you, if that's your appeal, if you're looking to get into Joshi and you really want to see, like, you know, just like Alex said, like, really hard strikes and, like, really physical battles, like, you you probably want to watch this show because this show is full of it. Um, but yeah, so Takumi... Defeat of Rio here moves on to the next round. Um, after that, we have the the current Pure J champion Hanako Nakamori. Um, so I I saw pretty much her whole saga with the Pure J title. Um, she's the the third pure the first and the third Pure J champion. She lost it to Dash Chizako. Um, you know, I saw I saw the saga. I want to say like on Battleman, not like. An actual show, so I saw it in very clip form. But she lost the title to Dash Chizako from from Sendai Girls, and also it was also like a hair match, yeah, like the classic like Joshi, just like you know crying as you're getting your head shaved, uh, kind of things. But then she came back and won the title right back from Dash, um, you know, about a few months, I think a few months later, I think it's, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So she won it back February 2018. Um, so that was her big thing. She's the current Pure J champion. Um, Yoshiko, of course, is the former Oz Academy champion. Along, she held it from June 2017 or October 2017 to June 2018. Um, she's also current tag champions in both Oz and Seedling with Rina Yamashita. So um, definitely two people here who, um, you know, again had have. A lot of credentials. Uh, this only went six minutes, which is pretty surprising. Um, you know, it started out really hot with Yoshiko or boot scrapes. And then just, you know, kind of out of nowhere, um, Hano- ha- Hanoko hits a Enziguri, then hits like a brutal, like running PK and gets the pin. So I, I was, you know, I did not see spoilers for this before I started watching. So I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Was not expecting Yoshiko to lose, and I sure was not expecting her to lose in six minutes. But you know, it's the kind of thing I think 
it definitely helps a tournament in a tournament setting just reminding your match could end at any time so and that's always appreciated having like you know there's a time limit but you know sometimes a champion or you know a veteran can actually beat a younger wrestler if you're good you can beat a lesser wrestler which some promotions forget and always go to a long time but as you mentioned Late last year, there was a hair match. It was the first hair match in Joshi in years. And it was Hanako Nakamori versus Dash Chisako. And through this whole time, Dash Chisako was insulting Hanako Nakamori, insulting her being ace of Pure J, insulting her as a wrestler. Basically, her whole character was being demeaned by Dash. And she lost the match. She had to get her hair shaved, which before this transformation... Hanako Nakamori was a very pure baby face, very feminine idol wrestler. Like she would sing, she'd always have like an actual singing mic with her to introduce the show, talk to the crowd. And you know, when that shows up with her, you know, dark makeup, eyeliner, you know, ripped jeans, all of this, and the mean sir beats her, has Hanako shave her head, like Hanako snapped, completely changed. Over 2018, she's lost weight. She's added muscle. She's gotten more aggressive style. Her character has become more aggressive. She's dyed her hair blonde, which is always the sign in Japanese wrestling that you mean business now. If you dye your hair blonde, you're yeah, back. It goes back all the way to when, you know, there aren't a lot of blonde-haired Japanese people. And, and you know, pretty much there aren't any unless you're dyeing it. So, like the the Japanese wrestlers who first started dyeing their hair blonde, it was like in the men's. It was if they did it to be heels, and nowadays I feel like you're saying it means more. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a heel, but it definitely means that you're like not a fucking you know white meat baby face either. Yeah, like when you think blonde Japanese wrestlers, my first thing is Takayama, Akira Kuto, Aja Kong, like all badasses. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's just so many famous famous badasses over the years who've done it. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, like talking, I feel like I was talking about uh, her in the VOW Slack, and someone said, you know, she used to be or Nakamura used to be someone who they couldn't stand, but she's gotten a lot better. So it sounds like the character changes really worked out for her. Yeah, it was definitely needed because I agree with that person. She was boring to me. It was Kevin Wilson, by the way. I don't know why I'm like beating on the bush on who it was. <laughs> yeah, like, she was boring because until Arisa left JWP to join Seedling, it was always Arisa was the ace. And then you had Hanako Nakamori as the second baby face. And she was in an awkward spot. And when Arisa left, she became the ace. And it was kind of lackluster because... I liked Mon Mikatsu more than I liked Hanako. But once she got her hair cut, and I feel like this is a very important part of any Apple West's match, you need to change. You need to change your character. You need to change your look. You need to change your moveset. Something drastic needs to change because an Apple West's match isn't something to take lightly. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Dash was awesome just in the clips I saw as playing like the the outsider heel who was a total, you know, just a total asshole to Hanako and just the promotion in general, it felt like. So, yeah. It's like the clear, clear fucking, um, you know, 
message was, you know, I'm from a real promotion, not this indie bullshit, basically. Yeah, like <laughs> Sunday goes a lot bigger than Pure J. But man, Haruko Nakamori needs to be in more discussions in 2018, but because Pure J is DVD only, yeah. it's hard to watch, but the hair match was great. But yeah, Haruko Nakamori in 2018 is a great wrestler. She she made the switch. She made the change. And like you said, I knew she advanced, but I didn't know it was only six minutes because Yoshiko is one of the top wrestlers in the industry currently too. So the fact that she went down in, it was like six minutes, two seconds. That was a shock. Yeah. But cool little match though. And then we moved to the semifinal. And this was the match I was most hyped for going in. I was hyped for both of the main events, honestly, but really hyped for this. Nanai Takahashi defeating Hiryo Matsumoto in 2240. Of course, Nanai is has won like every goddamn title you could probably think of. I mean, what they pushed in the in the um video was the trip the three triple double A title, you know, the, the old all Japan women's title. Yeah. So but I mean she's held every fucking title you could think of. Um Matsumoto recently held the Oz and Sendai World titles at the exact same at the same time in 2017, which is pretty impressive. And of course, they also mentioned on commentary repeatedly that she was just coming off the May Young Classic for WWE as well. Um, but yeah, this went twenty two forty. Um, this was just like again two two like pretty gigantic women just standing and trying to cave each other's fucking chests in. Um, you know that you know the lady hoss battle, and you know one point Hirio had her just in the, like in a guard. And it was just like raining down these fucking vicious forearms down onto a nice chest. Um, they ended up on the outside at one point and just like started throwing these fucking chairs at each other as hard as they could. Um, and then, you know, they there was like an, an implant on the apron by Nanai that was like sick as hell. And then Hiroyo uh, like backflipped onto the apron and delivered this like brutal apron powerbomb off the top rope, um, which just looked, you know, it looked like the Nye landed really hard and really awkwardly. Um, and then towards the end, we had like a, basically like a, a these, these headbutts the Nye was throwing. And she, I I thought they had, and then I had it on this front neck lock. It looked really like she had locked in really well, but um, here you go. And, um, you know, there was a sliding forearm towards the end. But yeah, I just thought like this was just another bomb fest. They kept it interesting, even though they went almost twenty three minutes, which is really hard sometimes. And you know, I thought the the wrong stuff was really cool too. Yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. This was really, really, really good. Uh, definitely did not uh, was not a letdown at all. So awesome match. Yeah, and even in the opening ceremony when they were introducing all of the tournament entrants, Kirio and Anai got into it. And they had to be separated. And I'm pretty sure Nanai wanted to start the match then and there, but they said no, and they went with the high-speed match. But as you said, bombs, just bombs being thrown. At one point, Nanai does a middle rope uh, suicide dive into the crowd, and that's when they start brawling outside. And, oh gosh, this was so good. And also, in the promo leading up to this, they showed video of Nanai fighting Go Shiozaki, to show how tough she was. And yeah, they started to chop. That match was awesome, by the way. I just saw it the other day. If you looked at the nice chest, it was really... Yeah, it was 
I mean, the same thing happened to Hikaru Shida when she fought Marafuji recently. I haven't seen that yet, but I saw the pictures on Twitter. Yeah. These these women are fucking tough. They're a lot tougher than I am. I would not I would not sign up for that. Yeah, and then Noah just says, Yeah, sure, go for it. Do it. Yeah. Which is cool of them. Yeah. It's more than some promotions do <laughs> historically. I know. Um, but yeah, this was awesome. Do you have anything else to say about the actual match before I cut you off there? Sorry. No, sorry. Oh gosh. It was really good, but I don't think it was my favorite of the show. It was still oh, yeah. really good. You liked the main event better because you, you're reverse of me, I guess. But um Yeah, it's either the main event or Rio versus Takumi, but yeah. All the tournament matches are great. Yeah. Um, then we get into the main event, which was Arisa Nakajima defeating Rina Yamashita in 2105. Um, you know, Arisa Nakajima is the former JWP ace, like you just mentioned, and four-time JWP champion. Uh, Rina is from Osaka Women's Pro Wrestling, but she's a former she former Regina D-Wave, and she's the current Oz Academy and Seedling Tag Champion. So, again, with the credentials there. Um the first thing I know right away is Ari Sinakajima, when she comes out, always looks like disgusted. <laughs> it's really like the facial expression she makes. It almost makes like she smells something nasty or something. It's really weird. But she does a really good job. It's like she's like the Japanese female womb regal or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like very, it's, she's very, um, the face she makes, very expressive. Um, but yeah, so, so the, the start of this match, like, Arisa Nakajima's fucking tactic for this match basically was I am going to scream as loud as I can, gonna get up in your face and scream repeatedly, and <laughs> that's it. I'm just gonna scream and let you hit me and to encourage you to hit me harder. And somehow that worked <laughs> because she kept screaming and screaming and screaming until finally I, I forget how the fuck she got the advantage eventually, but somehow she did. So, like, if, if Ari Sanakajima just walks up to you and starts screaming in your face, you should probably just, like, run. I don't know if I would, like, just don't 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 start hitting her. Um, but, yeah, Ari said, like, a really cool armbar takedown in here. Um, it slowed a little bit in the middle with, like, these repeated running kicks and then, like, a really long armbar by Ari said, and that's probably the, the big critique I have of the match. Um, I thought it was a little bit boring in the middle. But then it, got, it really picked up again with these running boots that all looked like they were designed to to decapitate. Um, the only other part, the only other problem I have too is like the some of the counters in the in the stretch run and like flash pins and such. I thought could have been smoother. They looked a little bit a little bit awkward and almost botched. Um, and I already said I ended up winning with the moonsault. I mean, I would still go three and a half on this, but like given I had really sky high expectations because I I love both these wrestlers, so I don't think it quite met that, but it was still very good. Yeah, this match had more mat work than I expected walking in. And it definitely reminded me that, oh, ours is from JWP, and a lot of those wrestlers know how to work on the mat because their teachers teach them how to work on the mat. So I didn't expect, you know, the groundwork. And as you said, that arm bar sequence, it was a little long and a little boring, which is a critique I have for a lot of wrestlers who try to work an arm bar or any submission there needs to be more struggle. Like, don't just lay there and, like, just fight it off. Like, I want to see a struggle for you to not be caught in this mission. But 
probably my favorite part of the match was when Arisa went for a front kick and Rina just hit it with their lariat. Yeah. And Arisa went to the ground and Risa just gripped her arm. And I was like, oh, so good. Yeah. I mean, these are both like masters of all those little, the little selling and stuff. So, um, but yeah, overall, really good show. You know, all the tournament matches were good. Uh, the opener was really funny. And I really don't see why you would not like this show. You really should watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to recommend Joshi Wrestling to a friend, but they're really into, like, heavyweight wrestling, show them the Seedling Show, because that's very much, as John said earlier, Haas Wrestling in Joshi. Yeah. And if they like if they like faster-paced stuff, they probably, like, if they're a big Dragon Gate fan, um, Ice Sherman might be more up the rally. They might enjoy that more. I mean, it's still very vicious, actually. They still yeah. hit each other really fucking hard. But and, uh, and stuff. unlike Dragon Gate, Ice Ruben already had their weird falling out with their founder. So uh, there you go. It is well, Dragon Gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and she's referring to Emi Sakura, by the way. If you're yeah. Wondering. So just for people at home. And I, I, I do get people saying sometimes you should just be more explicit about how to watch it if it's not obvious. Um, so if you look at the Pure Rescue Dream site, just search for Pure Rescue Dream, which is like the thing uh, the real hero people did after um, at purerescuedream.wordpress.com is the site. So if you look at that, you'll you'll see they're both on there. They're both up. Um, they're both they're both right on the front page, I believe. So yeah, just scroll down. You can see I see seedling already. Um, you know, just if you don't see them at first, just keep scrolling. And you'll see it pretty quick. I mean, you can also look it up by promotion um, on the right-hand side. But, yeah, it's right there. I see it, 2018-1003 seedling D higher. And then keep scrolling down, and you'll see the, um, you know, the the Ice Ribbon show. Ooh, Ayo Kizuki's retirement show is up already. We have to watch that. And I do want to say Pro Dream is also on Twitter, which is a good way if you're like me, this is your main social media is a good way to keep up with when shows get updated and uploaded. Yeah. On Twitter. Yeah. So you'll see, you know, obviously like for the, for the stuff that's legit, they, they're just linking to like places where you can watch it legit. So, you know, you have to pay for those like stardom world and wave network and marvelous channel and all that stuff. But if you're, if you're looking for just stuff that's like, you know, um, like the stuff that doesn't have a legit option, like these two shows, they're just uploaded there for free for you to watch. You don't have to pay anything. You just go hit click on it and you'll see it right on there. So there you go. That's how you watch both these shows. Um, I guess we can get into the mailbag as we wrap this up here. Uh, let's see. Should I open this sooner actually, but... <laughs> Um, and then of course my phone decides to not load. Here we go. All right. Uh, this before already, but oh, here we go. Alex at Blueberry Cave, most underrated or underappreciated Joshi re- Joshi wrestler right now, in your opinion? What do you think, Alex? Uh, gosh, appreciated. Um. I'm trying not to go on a tangent and go like, oh, well, you know, as a teacher and in historical context, but for right now, 
Oh gosh. Okay, so right now I'm going to say command Bolshoi. She's not discussed enough by people and by Western fans, and she's retiring next year. She needs to be recognized more for her work as a wrestler and as a teacher. That's my answer. She's around like what, like 20 years or something? Yeah. I mean, she, she goes all the way back to Neo, I think, right? Yeah. Command Bolshoi was in the original JWP, which started in 86. She joined them in, I want to say, 1990. She then joined JWP Project, which started in 92. And she has been with that history all since the original JWP. So JWP, JWP Project, Pure J, Command Bolshoi has been there. I'm thinking Neo. Um, Leon was in Neo. Neo oh. is um, uh, Kyoko Inoue. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, also underappreciated. <laughs> um, I mean, if I was going to pick somebody underappreciated right now, I might pick Takumi Iroha. Yes. She, she's very under the radar because of where she works, but she fucking owns. So. Dude, she's great. Uh, uh, yeah, the entire Marvelous roster they're all good wrestlers, and that's not surprising because Chigusa Nagayo is still a great trainer. Yeah. I mean, she she was the same trainer behind Gaia, right? That's, that's Yep. That was Chigusa's promotion. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Gaia, and you think of all the people Gaia turned out. I mean, you're talking like Miko Satomura and lots of other people. Yeah, so. Sonoko Kato, Sakura yeah. Hirota. Yeah. So, um, okay. Okay, so Travis Zick at Travis Zick. Why is there such a difference on performance levels in Joshi promotions? I'm not really sure what he means by that. Maybe he means actually I'm, I'm not really sure what he means by that. I when I read this, I assumed like skill level. That's mm. what I assumed on performance levels. And to that I'll say it's just like any sport or profession really, and that's it depends on who's teaching you. It's all about quality of teaching. As I said before, the pure J, JWP dojo under Bolshoi, Leon, and Kazuki is, in my opinion, one of the best dojos. Like, there are very few, if any, people from JWP that you can say they were not a good wrestler fundamentally. Like, their fundamentals and basics from that training heritage, very good. And then, I don't know who trains in stardom right now. Um, I don't know who the trainer is either off the top of my head. Somebody, somebody listening could probably tell us, I guess. But. but that, so that point of time after Nanai left and before, I want to say maybe before 2016, like, so there was a point in time in Sardom where a lot of the rookies were getting like injured. And a lot of that you could say might be they didn't get great training, so they didn't have the best tools to prevent injuries. Yeah. You know, like um, neck bridges, things of that nature. Like, stardom doesn't have the best dojo for fundamental training. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, I, I feel like ne- I, I feel like I would have thought that, too, until Utami. So I don't know what it is with she Utami. Is so just- good. Time might just be a fucking freak. Yeah, so like, 
But like I, I have her on my We Don't Know Wrestling ballot like twenty six or something, and she just debuted like in June. Yo, so. <laughs> so good. Like I've discussed with friends. Like I wish she was at a dojo that had more intense training. Because think about how good she could be. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is a stardom strain just works for her because I don't know how much better she could be at this point in her career, but I don't but know. Also, I mean, I, who, when is the last time you've seen someone? Because I put her her match with um, with Maya Iwatani in the, the five star GP final. I gave that four and three quarters, and I can't remember the last time I had somebody. I, I don't think I've ever had somebody like four months into their career with almost a five star match. She is so, so good. And- yeah. I think a benefit for her being in stardom is that she's getting a lot of matches this fast because yeah. Marvelous is very old school. It took Mio Momono and Rin Katakura over two years to get out of their rookie uniforms. Yeah. like They, they clearly just decided like Utami was going to get this gigantic push right off the bat. And it makes sense because of her, you know, name value from this, you know, being the daughter of this reality TV star. But like, it's just an amazing She's um, for that almost like that on top of the daughter of a celebrity they want to push for for name value she's also like the best fucking rookie since Chunakyama. <laughs> so it's like it's like what like that's incredible luck basically yeah like she's not a shikishibusawa type like she can wrestle mm-hmm. she's good I, I put a lot to it like her her amateur background i think helps a lot but, oh, does she have an amateur background? Yeah, not not amateur wrestling. It's uh her judo background, I should say. Ah, I was about to say. I mean, she, those fucking judo throws she throws are just like, just incredible. So yeah, because there, there are a couple judoka in stardom. Yeah. If Utami was amateur wrestling, then Mako probably would have snatched her up so fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, so she like you could tell with the judo. You know the judo backgrounds are very strong. Um, you know, base for her, and you know it helps that she's. I mean, she's only five five, but she's another one of these girls, a giant in this promotion because Stardom is a tiny, tiny, it's a very tiny woman promotion. So you know, Tommy can just like throw them around, which I'm sure helps her a lot too. But yeah, I mean, like she just just talk talk about a start of a career. I mean, she's incredible. Yeah, I mean, she isn't. She's. I'm already know she's probably not going to win Rookie of the Year because you know fucking Observer voters are dipshits. But she should win a Rookie of the Year and a fucking laugher. Like who else is it? Who else should even like be in the running? Yeah, she needs to be in the conversation because even in Japan alone, I'm trying to think of rookies who actually debuted in this calendar year, and it's Utami. Um. Did the AJPW Okada debut this year or late last year? Uh, I think it was last year. Okay. So he, I, I like him, but he is not as good as you're talking. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, who else debuted in Japan this year? It's not a lot of people, I don't think. I think. Uh, Yuki, Yuki Ueno in DDT. Mm. Uh, he's, he's good as a comedy gimmick, but he's not, again, not, not even close to Tommy as a wrestler yet. So, unless there's some as usual, Tokyo sports funniness, I think she could at least maybe win Tokyo sports rookie of the year. Yeah. Baker, the second woman to ever win that award after Chihiro Hashimoto. Yeah. So that'd be pretty cool. I hope she does. God, Tokyo um, sports is annoying though. 
Um, so Travis actually has a second question, which is why why are why are there so many freelance wrestlers in Joshi? Well, I think so after the 90s or in the late 90s, there is a boom in promotions. And after the economy slowed down, because the the 90s are known as the lost generation in Japan, because after the economic bubble from the 80s burst, the economy slowed down, less spending money, a lot of effects. Uh, wrestling in general, men and women lost popularity. And so a lot of promotions stopped being insular because they stopped having this inflow of talent. They had smaller rosters. So they started, you know, interacting with each other more and started having more cross-promotional shows. And so I think it's because over the 2000s and 2010s, it became less beneficial to be just a single promotion wrestler. And it was easier to be a freelancer and work in multiple places as long as you had the right friends. Because now a lot of promotions have, they interact with each other a lot. Like now it's really like TJPW, Stardom, and then the other promotions interact with each other a lot. Yeah. I mean, DDT and Tokyo Joshi will still interact with like Sendai girls a lot, I feel like. So it's like, like, like the one that's the most insular is probably Stardom, but they will interact with other people sometimes. Yeah, and they'll, use, and they'll use freelancers. I mean, they use here they use Matsuhiro Matsumoto. Yeah, they and they use Kanakamura. But yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think we just talked about this. Seedling has four wrestlers on their roster. I mean, they're gonna need a lot of freelancers and they're gonna need a lot of people who who work in other companies. And I think it's just, it's a very open system. Of these these companies, you know, a lot of them don't run don't don't run like full time schedules, so people work where they can. And I think, you know, there's, there's so many promotions that it makes sense to be a freelancer sometimes. And just, you know, if you can get the work, why not? Yeah. So, um, it's just a, le- it's a less centralized system. Like there's, there's freelancers in male wrestling too, but there's less of them. And I feel like it's because there's more promotions running full-time. Mm-hmm. I should say male pure wrestling. There's more promotions running full-time schedules. And there's also, um, you know, there's, there's just less, like there's less crossover, even though a lot of promotions crossover a little bit, it's nowhere near as much as Joshi. So I think it's just not, doesn't offer the same opportunities for a freelancer. So, yeah. Um, and, and sorry, in the same vein, as you were saying until the late nineties, there were only one, maybe two promotions at a time for Joshi wrestling in Japan. And so a lot of the people running these promotions now are from the same dojo system. So they know each other. So unless they hate each other for some reason, usually their wrestlers can work with each other. Yeah. Um, so at the JML uh, underscore asked, Alex, do you miss doing SmackDown reviews for Wrestling With World, Wrestling With Words, and says RIP? Um, I miss, like, the website because, you know, you could just throw a review of any show. And I think, like, right now, for, like, English wrestling coverage, it is kind of missed. You know, Wrestling With Words was a site where a lot of promotions that a lot of the other sites didn't cover because a lot of sites, they had ad revenue, and, you know, you needed clicks, and the promotions that got you clicks were WWE and now New Japan. 
not necessarily all Japan, Dragon Gate, Sendai Girls, Stardom, all the other promotions, and you know, yeah. Wrestling Wars covered that. So I do miss the site. I mean, I, I feel like we're doing a better job on Voices of Wrestling promotions now, which is cool. Like, we finally have an All Japan reviewer. Um, we have some Joshi reviews finally, which is, um, and I'm doing a DET preview this weekend. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I never wrote for Wrestling with Words by miss having just another site out there that, that I know will cover stuff. So, you know, it just feels like, obviously, I'm not going to go read some fucking clickbaity WWE fucking site, you know? So, yeah, it'd be I, nice. Unknown <laughs> indie Dragon Gate. Why would Ed's <laughs> Why would fucking why would Neville go to Super Junior Indie? <laughs> we didn't expect that. Oh, so fucking, God. So fucking stupid. Just oh. these, these fucking reporters who can't do like five minutes of research before they write their headline or their fucking tweet. I'm like, you, you, this is like your fucking job and you're doing a shittier job. This is your fucking job and you're doing a shittier job than I'm doing. You know, not getting paid to do this. Yeah, doing doing this at my actual job. You know, sitting there wasting their fucking money to do to write these preview articles, and I'm the one getting not to you know to my own heart horn too hard here, but I'm the one getting shot up by Kevin Kelly. And meanwhile, your fucking shitty ass New Japan coverage, and you're getting that you're getting paid to write is <laughs> you know who you know who the fuck's even rating it. Anyway, oh, like I will. Like, have you have you seen? Have you ever tried to see these fucking people cover New Japan now? Like no. they just they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. No, I will. <laughs> back a couple years ago, when Global Force covered was bringing Wrestle Kingdom Seven, I used to go on Cage Side Seats daily. That and New Japan Primer sold me re- really well on New Japan because mm. it made Bullet Club and Chaos sound so cool. Was was there a third staple, or was it just Chaos and Bullet Club? Uh, was Suzuki? Suzuki might have still been there. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they sold me very well on New Japan. And to go off topic, I likened it to my sister selling me on Twilight back when that was a new book. <laughs> Sometimes people describe things way better than what it actually is. Now, <laughs> This isn't the podcast for me to go off on my thoughts on Twilight because that was a series very <laughs> dear to teenage me at that time when I loved young adult novels and paranormal romance. But I was sold on New Japan. That was basically Ishii versus Shibata in that one G1 match. And that was so good. And I was sold on Bullet Club versus Chaos versus Giant Bash Shield. It was so great. So I have to say, Get Shy Seats sold me on New Japan, and that really opened me up to Japanese wrestling. So thank you, Cage for that. But <laughs> Dragon Gate isn't some random-ass indie. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, especially to this man in particular. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, oh, wow. Why would, I'm surprised Pac would show up for the Super Junior ending. Like, yeah, maybe do like a minute of research and see, oh, yeah, he wrestled his entire fucking career here before he left. That's like if Ricochet went to Dragon Gate, you wouldn't be shocked because Ricochet has history of Dragon Gate. Yeah. I don't know. In Uwa Nation. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's called now. Um, but <laughs> I don't either. He was in Dragon Gate. Yeah. Like, but but Pac was, like, Pac was really ridiculous. 
Yeah. Because he was this five fucking years or something. It'd be cool. like if it, it would seriously be like if they released um oh god, Finn Balor and he went to New Japan. People were like, I'm stunned he would go to New Japan. It's like, well, he this is this is where he's from. Like yeah. I don't know what to <laughs> and, um Floop Gay, who I think his handle is like oysters earrings. I think he tweeted it would be like if people were shocked Kana went to wave in that stardom. And it's like I'm I'm sorry. Everybody knows that Asuka is a stardom veteran. That's what Dave Meltzer told me. Stardom stardom legend. <laughs> yup. The classic matches she had with best friends in the night Takahashi. <laughs> Um, okay, so JML had a few more questions here. He said, given yeah. that you didn't don't like Hannah, how do you feel about the new teaser video with Asuka? Okay, I saw the video on Instagram. For those that don't know, Asuka and Hannah are like, they're now BFFs. They're hanging out, chilling. They're cool. Great friendship. I don't hate Hannah. Um, this take might be a little spicy for some listeners, but I feel like for her actual skill set and ability, she's overrated <laughs> by a lot of Western fans. Like, I think she could be a great wrestler. Keep in mind, she hasn't even been at this for three years. But I don't think she's as good as a lot of her praises. Now, what I hate about Hana is her new ring gear for stardom. It's tragic. It's <laughs> bad. It screams of... I went to Jamaica for spring break and I got my hair sprayed on the beach and now I'm back. It's basically like, I'm going to cosplay as my mom. <laughs> At least Kyoko, like, she lived the gimmick. Weed, 420. Reggae music. She lived it. Hana just came back from Mexico and I don't know what reggaeton video she saw while in Mexico that she thought, this is good. <laughs> like Bobby Apache needs to say, "This is not it. This ain't it." <laughs> I don't. I mean, like, if it was anybody else, I feel more like eh, because, um, you know, I, at least with her, you can point to her mom. But yeah, I mean, I like Hannah a lot, but you know, she's you know someone I really like. But don't yeah. like the new look. Not a big fan. And then the theme song is "Knife Party," which. Gave me war flashbacks to like 2010. Everyone listening to dubstep. Everyone making dubstep. Not everyone can make good dubstep. <laughs> um, and then his last question was, who would you build a promotion around? One male and one female. Hmm. This is an interesting question. Um, well, my Okay, first of all, my male is going to be Hideki Suzuki. Because <laughs> first of all, I will piss a lot of people off. Which is good. I like I like pissing some people off my answers. And also, I mean, there's only one Hideki Suzuki, you know? You're like, if I have Hideki, nobody else has Hideki, and I can build around Hideki. And, you know, I just feel like he's such a unique quality, a unique quantity that, um, you know, I would definitely want to build around him. And for my female wrestler, I would go Utami, because she's like, Again, it would give me like it give me a, a legit shooter feel. I could build like a shoot fit around it. And Utami's still so young. You know, she has her whole career ahead of her. And she's already so good. I want to see what she, I would want to see what she's gonna be like in just a few years, you know, let alone like five years from now. So that's my answer. Hideki and Utami is who I would build around. 
Mm. Well, I see we're both going for the shoot style. Because <laughs> that's what I was going to go with my answer. But since you took Hideki Suzuki, Koji Iwamoto is the guy in All Japan who's the judoka in the junior division, yeah. right? All right. Yeah. My answer. The, good, the crazy, the crazy fucking takedowns. Yes. Koji Iwamoto and Konami. It's going to be mm. shoot style fed that it will not be attached to Akira Maeda in Noki, which I think someone needs to try. Yeah. Uh, we both, we're, we're both going to bring shoot style back. There you go. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, we just mentioned him before. Oyster's earrings. Uh, you might. Oh, actually, we already did cover this. He said you might have been planning on getting around to it anyway. But thoughts of the new Ice Ribbon TV deal? Be welcome. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, I don't really. You know, we talked about it before. They're going to be on a a real satellite network that doesn't currently cover any other wrestling, and I'm quite happy about it. I can't wait to see what comes of it. You know, if, it's, if it's like if it's like one show a month, that'll be a huge improvement over what we get now. You know, other than Nico Nico, so. We can get actual ice ribbon in HD. It will be a miracle. Yeah. So two thumbs up if that's the case. I'm very happy. Um, let's see. And that's pretty much... Oh, let's see. One more. Um, at Hada Highlight, opinions on intergender matches like Denai versus Go, Hikaru Shida versus Marafuji, or ice ribbon with Hideki Suzuki. I mean, I think they're... You know, I know some people hate them. I think they're great. You know, I think it's what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I think it's really cool to do a to do a a match like that and like basically let the let the women wrestlers go out there and be like, you know, we can we can take what the men take. You know, like I think that's important for Joshi to be like, yeah, it's you know they hit each other hard, but we'll we'll stand there and get hit by the men too. You know, we're not gonna shrink away from that and you know it gives the i think it gives like hikaru and and nanai like a certain amount of pride when they have their those they take those those fucking gross photos of their chest after getting you know chopped and slapped to shit but you know just nanai the the one to me like that was really crazy was which was like the first one of these i feel like of this current like batch was that nanai takahashi versus masato tanaka match where like you know, Nanai, like, beat the... Yeah, Tanaka hit her hard, but, like, she beat the shit out of him, too. And I thought that was, like, a very big statement for, like, you know, we're not gonna be looked at as second class or anything. We're gonna come in there and just have a have a normal Japanese-style wrestling match. So I I think it's a, it's a cool thing. I think they do intergender matches, or they frame them better more often in Japan and Mexico than the U.S. Because the deal with intergender is how you frame it. Like, if you just frame it as here's a competition between two competitors, it's fine most of the time. But when you get hokey and frame it as a, oh, this giant man is going to wrestle this woman. Will she survive? That's when intergender Mm. gets bad and not good. Because, what was it, Tessa Blanchard versus Brian Cage? That's basically how they framed it. This giant man is going to wrestle a woman. How will she survive? Can she survive? Will he just completely destroy her? It's bad. and It's not good. And that's when you get a certain section of wrestling fans interested that I'm not a part of and I'm not, like, interested in. But if they just frame it, it doesn't even have to be, like, a legitimate competition. 
just frame it as just a match between two competitors, intergender is fine. Like, Goshi Izaki versus Anai Takahashi, Nanai literally sent the letter to Noah saying, I want to fight Go. And Go said, sure. She sent a letter to Zero One saying, hey, I want to fight you. And he said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Hikaru Chida versus Marfuji, I don't know how that happened. I guess they're friends. So, so Hikaru Shida, I, I did hear this, actually. Hikaru Shida is like, um, you know, this, this was her, like, anniversary show, I believe. And I think she actually showed up to like Marafuji's anniversary show and like asked him, I think is how it happened. So that's the story I read somewhere. But, but yeah, like she that was like I think that Marafuji's like one of her favorite either one of her favorite wrestlers or her favorite wrestler. And she you know, it was like her dream to fight to fight him. And he was like, Yeah, sure, let's fight. Okay. But see, like when frames like that, intergender wrestling is fine and it can be good. It's just when it gets hokey and what's the word I'm looking for? Like when it's framed as the woman is going to coming in, obviously as the weaker or lesser than opponent, that's when it just turns bad and it's almost always bad, not good. Yeah. Like you just want to have it be a match between two people. Yeah. So, you know. Like, yes, we know Masato Tanaka probably has a straight advantage on a Night Takahashi, but we don't need to frame it as, like, you know, is Nanai going to die? And it's like, well, no, Nanai, Nanai wrestles people all the time and gets beat up all the time, and, you know, she'll probably be okay. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah, the night if, if you don't, you know, if you can watch Intergender, if you like it, you'll definitely like Nanai versus Goshiyazaki, because that was an awesome match. But yeah, that'll do it then. We got we got through all the questions. Um, some really cool ones here. Thank you if you email if you sent them in. Alex, do you want to plug your Twitter? You can find me at Noah's underscore savior, N-O-A-H-S underscore savior. I discuss wrestling when I when I have time to. Uh, I also discuss video games if you're interested in that TV and movies. Also, John, if you ever want to have a podcast about 70s All Japan women's, <laughs> specifically the tag teams, I am here ready to go. All right. Uh, definitely keep that in mind. Um, but yes, yeah, so this was a lot of fun. Definitely cool. We did some Joshi. I know some people, some people were asking about it. And, you know, it's not like I don't like doing these episodes, it's just that. First, if you like this episode, share it, please, because it's always the Josie episodes always do our lowest numbers outside of like Lucha. And, you know, I don't really care about numbers that much. So I'll, I'm going to keep doing them anyway. But I would appreciate it if you share the episode if you like it, because it would help. Um, but yeah, whenever I watched Josie and, you know, I just I saw these two shows in the schedule and was like, wow, they're really close together. This is perfect to talk about both. But yeah, we'll definitely do more Josie in the future. Uh, probably a Yoshi interview episode or something too, so don't worry. Yeah, um, and ask me questions on Twitter about Joshi. I'll try to answer them. Ask me about AJW in the 70s. I'll happily answer them. <laughs> um, and you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omikaze. Um, not Wrestling Omikaze. Wrestle Omikaze, because wrestling would not fit. And you can find us on iTunes as well if you search for Wrestling Omikaze. So if you only want to subscribe to this on you know on iTunes. You know, most people get us through the Voices of Wrestling feed. So I don't, you know, not a lot of people subscribe that way. But we did get our first ever um 
customer review recently on iTunes, which I figured I'd read here real quick. Um, I actually don't know how old this is because it could have been much older for all I know. I just saw it recently. It's from somebody called It's Real Dan Smith. He gave us five stars, which I really appreciated. And he said, favorite wrestling podcast right now. Every episode is interesting and fresh. Don't be afraid to check it out because of how terrible the VOW flagship is, um, which I'm not going to say anything about that part because I like I like our position on the, <laughs> the Voice of Wrestling podcasting network, and I enjoy the Voice of Wrestling flagship. But there you go. It was our first review, a five-star review. Um, if you, you know, and I, and I will say, what I will say, and I'm not going to say anything about, about their quality, is I do try to cover stuff that they don't cover, which is why we're here covering Joshi, and I will continue doing, I will continue to do so. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, I guess, for this week's Wrestling Omakase. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, you know, I will read your review as well. So go ahead and do that if you have, if you have the time. And yeah, it's pretty much it. Next week. Wrestling Omikaze. Speaking of stuff they do not cover on the Voice of Wrestling flagship, we will be covering DDT once again because this weekend is DDT's one of DDT's biggest show of the year, the their second biggest show of the year. Uh, DDT Peter Pan. You know, usually that show is in the summer, but it got moved back because of the Ryogoku Sumo Hall reserva- uh, renovations. So it's happening this weekend, this this Sunday, uh, October twenty first, or is it Sunday? I believe it's Sunday. Yes, this Sunday, October 21st. So next week, I'm going to be joined by two returning guests, or two most prolific guests, actually. Uh, Taylor will be back on, and Jesse will be back on. So two people who both know their DDT. And three of us will discuss the DDT Peter Pan show, which also features some Joshi on it, by the way. It has uh, Mako Satomura and Cassandra Miyagi taking on Saki Akai and... um, I think um, Saki Akai and Maki Ito. And so that's on the main card. That's, they're calling out their Super Joshi Pro Wars 2018. And on the undercard, the on the uh, dark match, the we're going to have the debut of a new Tokyo Joshi Pro wrestler, Amina Shirakawa. Um, she's going to team up with Yumi Kamifuku and the Tokyo Joshi Pro champion, Miyu Yamashita, against Yuka Sakazaki, Shoko Nakajima, and Mizuki. So... Is some Joshi on that show. And also, um, Misaki Ohada, who we mentioned on this episode, is teaming up with her husband, uh, Makoto Oishi, or, or fiance, I forget if they're actually married yet. I, and they're t- I think huh? they're engaged. I think yeah, because I think she's retiring at the end of the year because they're going to get married. Yeah. But the two of them are taking on Joey Ryan and Laura James in the world's crazy couple battle. So there you go. Some Joshi wrestlers all over that show. And we'll talk about that uh, this coming or next week. So look forward to that as our next episode. But Alex, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me on, John. Yep, this is always fun, and we'll definitely do it again. And folks, we'll see you next time. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious 
serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.